This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals take a stumble against Buffalo. A busy weekend coming up with the Flyers and the Bruins. Joe Haggerty from Boston Hockey Now will join us to preview Sunday's game with the Bees and Ilya Samsonov out day to day. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, April 16th. Welcome to Caps this morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. John Walton coming at you here from Stanford, Connecticut this morning, and Ben is back in D.C. And Ben, as I'm sitting here keeping an eye on things during the Florida-Tampa Bay game last night that I was doing for NBC, I saw a whole lot of things I wasn't expecting. Buffalo kind of took the game, and it sounded like a rough night for Vitek Vanacek last night. Yeah, things you weren't expecting to see, namely the Buffalo Sabres coming to Washington and to an extent giving the Capitals the business in the 5-2 final. Uh, look, it starts from the beginning of this one, John. It was a sluggish start from the Capitals. And I will say the pregame pomp and circumstance, the ceremonies celebrating Nicholas Backstrom for his 1,000th career game, so tastefully done. I thought hey, maybe the Capitals are going to come out playing inspired hockey here, but just the opposite. And I'm not sure if maybe that took something out of them, the, the start of the game. But the Buffalo Sabres, to their credit, they came in, they crashed the party, they spoiled the party. They were strong from the get-go. We're out shooting the Capitals 5 nothing. the opening few minutes. Vancek actually made some solid saves early on, but ultimately the Capitals, uh, some turnover issues, some puck management issues, and the game really turning, John, I'll say early in the second period with Buffalo leading 2-1, to one, Capitals had an opportunity on the power play, and we think back to the previous two games, how efficient they were with the man advantage. Not the case last night. They were 0-3 for 3 on the power play, and they ultimately allowed a shorthanded goal against. A real backbreaker here. Casey Middlestead, which what stood as the eventual game winner. So it got away from the Capitals. Sabres took advantage. And yes, a rough night as well from Vitek Vancek. Not a whole lot of sport in front of him, but certainly some goals he'd like to have back. So he added it all up. Uh, it was quite a bit of yuck from a Capitals perspective as they ultimately fall at home to the last place Sabres. Yeah, quite a bit of yuck is never a good phrase. Vitek Vanacek, Craig Anderson, both playing last night. Craig Anderson playing last night. Stops 9 of 9 in relief because the Capitals found out at the morning skate yesterday that Ilya Samsonov out and listed his day-to-day with an upper body injury. So a bit of an eyebrow raise there. Nothing really stuck out from his last start on Tuesday. He finished. He won the game against the Flyers, but hopefully we learn more before the game of the Flyers tomorrow. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see here, too, with back-to-backs coming up this weekend. Again, he's considered day-to-day is Ilya Samsonov with this upper body injury, but as well as Craig Anderson showed himself last night. And should mention that, too. He turned aside all eight shots he faced. It was the first time he was back in a game since February 21st. It was the first time he was even in uniform, Craig Anderson, since late February, since Samsonov returned. So after all those weeks in the taxi squad, he came on in relief of Vanacek and Showed himself well, again, turning aside all eight shots he faced. That being said, with back-to-backs this weekend, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see if Samsonov is good to return, if he's good to go. And otherwise, decision to be made here from Peter Laviolette and the coaching staff regarding the uh, goalies with back-to-backs coming up. On a good side, Ben Anthony Mantha comes up with another goal. That's two in two games. So nice to see that the trade deadline acquisition is pretty much as advertised and maybe then some so far. And I saw a whole lot of him as well, parked atop the crease and in close in Dustin Tokarski's grill. That's where he scored his goal from the doorstep. And 
even though he didn't get an assist on the first goal of the game, a blast from the Dmitry Orlov just inside the blue line. He was again atop the crease battling with Rasmus Ristolainen before Orlov got the goal. So he was uh, essentially part of both goals. You could say later drew a penalty as well to Rasmus Dalin. So overall from, uh, from Anthony Matthew, he had the wheels going again. Very encouraging. It's small sample size, two games in, but two goals in as many games. Can't ask for much more from him. Dustin Tokarski, a feel-good story, unfortunately, coming at the Caps expense, but his first win in the National Hockey League since December 12th, 2015, had the sky point to his late father. It was the first time he'd won a hockey game at the NHL level since his father passed after 10 AHL stops. Dustin Tokarski coming up with a win last night. So switching gears, throw that one in the dumper and moving on to what is going to be a very busy weekend. Philadelphia will be up first tomorrow at 1230 at Wells Fargo Center. Get to the out-of-town scoreboard here in a few. But then the Boston Bruins, the rematch from last Sunday where the Capitals were at TD Garden. And to give us a little preview of the Bees, happy to have Joe Haggerty with us from Boston Hockey Now. Caps and Bruins coming up noon on Sunday. Hags, it has been way too long. Thanks for joining us here this morning. You got it. My pleasure, John. Anytime you call I'm going to answer, my friend. I love that. Just like the Caps and the Islanders and the Penguins, the Bruins went big at the trade deadline. They brought in Taylor Hall from Buffalo, and it has been quite a journey trying to find someone to play alongside David Krejci on that second line. We even saw David Pasternak in that role for a little bit. I know in following you on Twitter, you have maybe a little bit of skepticism about Taylor Hall, but here's a guy who comes in and they're hoping that uh, that he's the guy that can get the job done on that second line. Yeah, I, w- I would say I definitely have healthy skepticism when it comes to Taylor Hall. I, I, there's no denying he's had one great season uh, where he won the Hart Trophy and he's had some good seasons, but I think he, by and large over the course of his career, I don't think has lived up to his potential of what he can do on the ice and being a number one overall pick. And really, I think it's an intriguing position for him to be in getting traded to the Boston Bruins. First of all, great trade. Bruins didn't give up a first-round pick. They definitely needed a top-six guy with skill uh, to skate with Krejci and to provide another offensive threat. And I think Taylor Hall, uh, certainly most nights, is going to be able to be that guy. But I think for him, this is a chance to really change the conversation about his NHL career. And I think this is the most established, the most stable, the most talented and successful team that he's ever played for in his NHL career. By and large, throughout his career, he's always been a very good player or the best player on some not-so-good teams, kind of been the face of those franchises. And this is the first time he's joining a group uh, that there's a ton of talent around him. He's not going to have a lot of pressure on him to carry the team. There's a bunch of great players on this team. He's going to get a lot of looks at second defenseman pairings and third defenseman pairings on the second line. And he's not going to be the focal point of the other team's defense to shut him down. So, you know, this could be the kind of situation, not only is it going to be good for David Krejci to have that talent there, but I think it's going to be good for Taylor Hall to not have the pressure on his shoulders to be the guy going to be take two between the Caps and Bruins on consecutive Sundays, all Washington the first time around, an 8-1 final. But the defensive injuries when the Caps were there last weekend, that might as well have been the Providence Bruins on the back end. <laughs> McAvoy out, or back now, but out then. Uh, Mike yep. Riley coming in at the trade deadline, uh, still missing Grizzlick and Carlo. What's the latest on the defensive front here? Yeah, and, uh, you know, Kevin Miller is kind of a day-to-day thing. He's got uh, knee problems that some nights he's going to play, some nights he isn't. He's not going to play back-to-back games. He doesn't skate a lot of practice. So, I mean, that's kind of a dicey situation with Kevin Miller for a guy that you're really counting on to be a physical presence and to be one of your top four guys, uh, you know, for the next few months as they move on. So you add that with Matt Grizzlick is out, is not skating. Brandon Carlo is out and is not skating. Uh, you know, you're looking at some players right now, uh, some key players that the Bruins are missing. 
You get McAvoy back, and, and that's a big piece, obviously. He's there on question number one, and I think he gets Norris Trophy consideration this year. He's having his best season. And I really liked what I've seen so far of Mike Riley. I think he's a solid top-four guy. Uh, he can get his shot through, which is something the young defensemen like Jeremy Lozon and Jakob Sporel have had trouble doing. He can generate some offense that way, and he just looks like a solid, legit NHL defenseman at both ends of the ice. Some of the young guys haven't come along like the Bruins wanted, and that's been part of the storyline for them along with the injuries. So Riley really comes in and helps stabilize them. But as always, you know this, John, you got to stay healthy on the back end if you want to have sustained success, and the Bruins have not had that this year. They've had trouble in goal, too. Tuka Rask finally getting back at it with the Islanders series between the Bees and the Isles last night. But the way that this has shaken down with the third and fourth string goaltender, I thought Jeremy Swayman was great in Washington. He ended up getting the win there. Dan Vladar, I felt sorry for. I know he's back in Providence, but it, he really didn't get a lot of help in that 8-1 game last Sunday. But Rask is back. Where's Halak in all of this? Uh, what is the goalie situation moving forward? And, oh, by the way, Jeremy Swayman's still there, correct? He is, and uh, I actually asked Bruce Cassidy this week if Jeremy Swayman, based on the way that he's played and based on the situation with their goaltending, has pushed his way into you know more of a role than they originally anticipated. And I think he has. I think he's in the picture, and they're going to give him looks, and he's going to get more playing time down the stretch, and he could even push Yaroslav Halak to be Tukaras backup at points if Halak comes back and he's been out so long and he doesn't really get up to speed quickly. And also with Tukarask, a suspected back injury that he's had that's caused him to play you know not much since March 7th and that could crop up I think for a 34-year goalie at any time so there's a lot of factors here where Jeremy Swayman could get playing time not only down the stretch in the regular season perhaps even in the playoffs and I gotta tell you I watched his career at University of Maine Uh, I saw him in training camp this is the first year pro so it was the first time I was really seeing him day in day out he stood out back then I think he's the real deal and he's the future number one goalie of this Boston Bruins team. And it creates a really interesting dynamic down the stretch where you have this kid in Swayman who's playing really well and looks like he's ready to be a number one guy sooner rather than later. And you have the best, one of the best goaltending duos in the league normally in Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, who have both been missing time lately. I, I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm going to be entertained by how this plays out down the stretch because there's a lot of moving parts for the Bruins goaltending situation right now. And fascinating, too, that Boston was the team of the four probable playoff teams in the East. They were the guys, the team of the veteran goalies. The Caps are young. The Penguins are young. At least one of the Islanders is young. And maybe now the Bruins getting a little younger, too. I want to talk a little bit more about the forwards and Craig Smith specifically. I know you wrote about him yesterday. This has been a nice little resurgence for him. Brought in to really kind of shore up everything past that top line anyway that was slow and developing but he's really starting to hit his stride now yeah he is the last month uh five goals 15 points in 13 games and he's really come alive offensively and no matter where they put him he's been really productive you know some of this great stretch that he's had He's been in that plum spot on the right wing with uh, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand when they moved David Pasternak down to the second line. But he's also played at times with David Krejci and, and Taylor Hall as he's come aboard. He's played with Charlie Coyle on the third line. And, and really anywhere they've put him on the right side uh, over the last month, month and a half, he's uh, gotten goals around the net, gotten his nose dirty, is a second effort kind of player that also uses his speed. But you know, really plays uh, 100% full tilt all the time. And I think that's a lot of where the offense is coming from. And I think also just the comfort level is starting to get there for him. You know, he was a new guy coming in. He played for Nashville his entire career. 
And, uh, you know, he come to, comes to a new place in Boston. And this year we know with the COVID protocols, it's hard to get to know your new teammates. But I think he's starting to get that comfort zone with the Boston Bruins and starting to feel comfortable in his role. And you can see it offensively. This is why they got him, to come in and be a secondary offense provider. And he's done that for the last month and then some. There's always a team that a team has trouble with. For the Capitals, they have not had a good run of it against the New York Rangers this season lately with the Islanders, too, for that matter. Pretty well a toss-up at the top of this division race between Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and the Caps right now. Of those three, what matchup is the most troubling for the Bruins, potentially? Based on this year, I would say the New York Islanders because they have not been able to beat them. The third periods have been disasters in most of those games. The Islanders have just pulled away from the Bruins, and that's usually a strength of theirs year in and year out. And, uh, you know, they, they get a, a player in Kyle Palmieri at the trade deadline that has been a Bruins killer over the last couple of years as well. So they got even better uh, as far as the matchup goes uh, against the Bruins. So that's definitely there. But look, and I know that it's been back and forth this year and the Capitals and the Bruins have had some good battles, but I, I still go back to the last 10 years. The Capitals have dominated the Bruins, have owned them for large portions of that. The Bruins are getting tougher and, and stronger, and now they have Nick Ritchie and Trent Frederick and Kevin Miller, and they've got some guys that I think can, can match toughness for toughness with the Washington Capitals. But I still think the Bruins view the Capitals as kind of the team to beat in the East Division and the team that is kind of their nemesis in this you know, new realigned East division that we have this year. So I, I think there's a couple of teams the Bruins have to worry about above them in the standings in the East division. Well, Hags, it's great to chat with you and nice to have you here to finish up the week here on Caps this morning. Uh, best of luck to you, uh, Boston Hockey Now, where you can read Joe Haggerty. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Anytime, bud. All right, good stuff from Joe Haggerty in Boston Hockey Now, giving us a pretty good flavor, I think, Ben, of what's going on as we pivot toward the out-of-town scoreboard last night. Before we even get to it, Ben, at least the Capitals got some help on the out-of-town scoreboard, so it wasn't as bad a night as it probably could have been. They did, thanks in part to the aforementioned Boston Bruins doing the Capitals a good, taking care of the New York Islanders for the first time this season, by the way. The Islanders had been a perfect 5-0 and against Boston this season, so last night, Bruins get the win, and also in Pittsburgh, the Penguins did pick up a point, but Philadelphia ultimately winning the game in a shootout. So, yes, the Capitals a missed opportunity to create a little bit more separation, but at least they do remain alone atop the division standings. Yeah, to your point, Philadelphia keeping those hopes alive. Two-one shootout, one in Pittsburgh, and Carter Hart breaks a seven-game winless skid, only gives up one and wins in the shootout. Did not have that one on the bingo card last night, but good for him. Bruins get a couple of goals from Brad Marchand. They win Taylor Hall getting his first goal in a B's uniform. And the Rangers continue to push. They went 4-0 at home against New Jersey. Artemi Panarin, two goals in the win at MSG. Only one game in the division tonight, Islanders and Bruins, part two from Boston. So the standings look like this on this Friday morning. The Capitals continue to hold down the top spot by themselves because of help on the out-of-town scoreboard. Capitals with 60, New York Islanders in second with 58. Pittsburgh gets a point, but they lose 57. Boston now within eight points of first place. They're still hanging around if they get healthy and get on a streak. That game on Sunday going to be big. 52 for them, 48 for the Rangers, 46 for Philadelphia. So, Ben, the race tightens a little bit, and the Capitals look to just throw it in the bucket and get on to Philadelphia tomorrow. Yeah, and look to build off of what they did on Tuesday night against the Philadelphia Flyers. See if that could bring any some any positive vibes coming up this weekend. But last few times, John, they've played Philadelphia. The Capitals have had their way offensively. Philadelphia Flyers among the worst teams defensively all season, among the worst teams defensively at five on five. See, again, they have all their goaltending and defensive issues, but we'll see if something the Capitals could potentially exploit as, yes, they look to right the ship uh, coming up tomorrow. 
Caps Flyers Saturday at 1230, Boston Sunday at noon. That noon game is a national game on Sunday, only on NBC4 locally, NBC nationally. Coverage starting 9 a.m. Caps Game Day Network Air, 1215 Saturday, 1145 a.m. on Sunday. Have a busy but good weekend, Ben. Happy weekend, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.